0: Have you ever forgotten a fly rod at the boat ramp, lost a piece of gear on the river, or maybe even dumped a drift boat and lost all your gear? Did you ever get any back? Today, Robert from Karmic Outdoors gives us a solution where 70% of the items are found and returned to you within one 24-hour period. Got a good show for you today and a good solution, so let's dig into it. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Please take a moment right now and share this episode with one other person you think might uh, enjoy this solution to lost gear. Uh, Click the share link in your app uh, of choice that you're using right now and uh, share it out with one other person. Thank you in advance for getting the word out. Robert Gillingham from Karmic Outdoors shares a great solution for lost outdoor gear today. We find out how for $10 you can protect your fly rod, your fly box, your gun, or any other piece of gear. Plus, we hear the story of how he boondocked his way around the country for a year after quitting his job and how you can get going on it as well if you want to start that or or just do a little bit of traveling. So without further ado, here is Robert from KarmicOutdoors.com.
1: How's it going, Robert? Going great man. How you doing?
0: Good. Good. Thanks for putting this together. We were just having a little uh trying to get your uh, your young uh I guess this is a boy or a girl. He's a little boy, Oliver. Oliver. Yeah, trying to get Oliver uh, dialed in. He's uh, uh in the background. We I think we got things taken care of. It's always a uh, challenge uh, with kids, but um we're going to jump into a little bit on Karmic Outdoors. Uh you first. I'll talk about how you first came to came to me, which is cool, and then and then we're just going to dig into maybe a little bit on finding lost fishing equipment, which is what you do best. Um, but before we get there, talk about. I'm, first of all, I'm not even sure if you do any fishing, fly fishing. Or what your uh, what that looks like? So, so talk about that.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm an obsessive fly fisherman. Like if you if you ask me what I do, like I would like to say that I'm a fly fisherman, and then I everything else just kind of falls to the wayside. You know, like I <laughs> I own a business and and you know I'm a teacher and like all these other things, but. Um, I am an obsessive fly fisherman, uh, avid hunter, outdoorsman. Um, I, I went to college in Reno. I got a bachelor's in wildlife ecology and conservation biology. Uh, I worked for Idaho fishing game for a number of years. Uh, I was a fishing game warden for a little bit in Idaho. Um, you know, I just, I just live and breathe the outdoors, um, my wife and I, we, we quit our jobs, we sold our house, we sold everything we owned, and we just traveled the country fly fishing for a little bit, uh, went to New Zealand. Yeah, so we just, it's what we do, it's who we are. <laughs> That's amazing. So it sounds like we've been, we've been talking a little
0: about doing that um, coming up. Maybe, maybe not, you know, traveling. Uh, we're talking about just doing some longer extended trips, you know, how can we get in place? And what was the, so, quit, so you quit your jobs and traveled the country. What was that uh, experience like? You
1: know, we we had the, the quote-unquote, you know, American dream, right? We had the cars, we had the house, we had uh, student loans, we had good jobs, um, and it was just this bit of like unfulfillment, just sort of this rigmarole of just like constantly doing the same stuff. You know, you wake up Monday through Friday work and you're just living for the weekends and we were like, we don't have kids, um, the house is worth more than we bought it for, why don't we just, you know, take some time and uh, just, you know, live a little bit? You know, my wife was in a place where she didn't feel super fulfilled with her life and, and the job that she had. And so it was like, let's just, let's just go for a little bit. Let's just do this. And, um, you know, sort of this whole like van life, hippie type thing that was, you know, sort of popular now. And we were like, let's do that. We like, let's try that a little bit. So, so we did that. Um, we we bought an older camper, we fixed it up, and then, you know, my goal was to sort of chase the hatches all over the, the United States. But in reality, we just kind of went wherever we felt like going. <laughs> yep, I hear you.
0: <laughs> That's cool. What was the? I'm just curious. We've had a. I, I've got a little interested in the van life sort of thing. Not that I have a van or anything like that. But what, what was the? What was the van? And how did you fix it up?
1: Oh, so we we started with a twenty-three foot camper, um, and I was the one who was super reserved about it. My wife was like, "Let's get a, like let's get a little van or a little camper," and I was like, "Okay, hang on, like we're moving from an eighteen hundred square foot house into a, a little van. Like I need a little bit more space." So I was the one who was reserved. So we got a twenty-three foot camper, and then we found out that's a real pain in the ass. Like. Bless anybody. Bless anybody that has a camper. But I don't ever want another camper again. When you're traveling and you don't know where you're going, you're never 100% certain if you turn down a street, you're going to be able to get off of that street. You know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's comfortable for driving and parking and being in one spot for like 12 days, but not for just like motoring around. Uh, So then we we actually came back to Idaho after several months on the road with the camper and then we put the camper in storage and we just got a camper shell for the truck and converted the back of the truck into a bed and it had fold ups and stuff. And we kept all our food in there and we, I had a little raft trailer behind that with some extra gear. Um, So then we did half the trip in a camper and the other half of the trip we did just in the back of a truck. And then when we came home, we sold the truck and then we actually bought the true camper van, you know, the sprinter camper van thing. And we bought that bear and we converted that into a camper and everything. Um, the, the problem with that is you kind of need a job to pay for the camper van <laughs> cause they're so expensive. Oh, yeah,
0: they're spendy. Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> they're so expensive. So, you know, we couldn't afford that while we were on the roads. So we just lived in the back of a truck, uh, just fly fishing from, from Idaho to Alaska, to New York, to Florida and all the way around.
0: Wow. Wow. So how long was the trip? The- uh, it's about a year. Oh yeah, so. so you yeah. took a year, and so and now you you do have a a sprinter van
1: or no? Or yeah, you- we did. We actually just sold it this summer because it was worth more than we paid for it, which is oh, wow. which is so weird that you can buy a vehicle and it appreciates in value, which is you know unheard of. But you know, so we bought this van, we we converted it and everything, and then, um, for the amount of monthly payment and the amount that we were actually using it with our two year old. It's like, man, we should just get this again in a couple of years when we're actually ready for it. You know, we, our timing has just been off with all of our, <laughs> all of our vehicle purchases, apparently. But uh, yeah, so so we sold that and now, and now we don't have anything really. We're just, um, we're probably just going to do like the hotel Airbnb thing while we have a kid for a little bit. Oh God! So now are you? So you're still traveling? No, huh? this was probably. Three years ago, we did that for a whole year and then we came back and then we, you know, we, we settled back down and had kids and got our jobs and stuff back. Gotcha. Yeah. So,
0: and, and that's a great example. You know, they always say, you know, you hear people talk about that have done that, that have jumped off and like sold everything. And I've had a couple of friends that have done that. And, and then and it's always the thing, like people worry about like, oh man, I don't want to lose my job. But the bottom line is, is like, what's the worst that can happen? Right. I mean, yeah you guys did it and you found another job so that's always the case it seems like you could do it so why not you know we're, it's life short why not try it and then and then come back and you can always find a job that's cool
1: there will always be more jobs there will always be more houses there will always be whatever you're leaving there will always be more of that yeah but the one thing there won't be more of always is is your time right that you're on the planet your time and your youth that's never you're never getting
0: that back well um, we're gonna dig in you know karmic and that's talking about time and youth and stuff obviously running a business takes a lot of time I, I'm curious to hear uh, karmic I want to hear the story of, of how that developed because this is a really cool product that uh, helps people find lost gear and and I've definitely lost gear over the years but um, but talk about first uh, what is karmic and uh, and and then why uh, why did you start it
1: Yeah. So Karmic is a lost and found company. Essentially, we are the world's leader in outdoor gear recovery. There's a huge gap right now between lost on one side and found on the other side. And there isn't a really good connection between the two other than like a Sharpie on your fly box, uh, where you write your name and your phone number on there. If you lose it, like you're never getting that back, which really sucks. Um, you know, as as fly fishermen, I'm sure we've all probably lost a net, or we've lost a a fly box, or worst case, you lost your fly rod or something. And unless you have it identifiable, the finder, even if they want to, cannot get it back to you. And that was sort of my situation. I was fly fishing one of our local rivers here called the Owyhee River, and I found a fly rod, and I wanted to get it back to the owner. So I came home and I posted on Craigslist, I posted on social media. I, you know, I asked the fly shops and I got responses, uh, a number of responses, but it wasn't for the fly rod I had on my hand. And so it's like, okay, if nine people have contacted me about losing a fly rod on this one little river, how big of a problem is this? Like how, how often are we losing our stuff? And, you know, you do some research and you think about it and you, you find that like nine out of 10 outdoorsmen have lost something of value. And you're like, okay, that's a huge problem because there's 145 million outdoors people in the in the United States. That's you know over half of Americans consider themselves outdoorsy folk, and nine out of ten of them have lost something of value. Now, here's the interesting part: seven out of ten have found something of value and want to return it back to the owner, but couldn't. Like that's the sad part. And if you go on Craigslist, if you go on any forums like mountain buzz or you go on any of these um any outdoorsy forums there's going to be a lost and found page look at the amount of people who are taking time out of their day and out of their life to create an account post something monitor that just to do the right thing to get the gear back to the owner people want to return found gear they do there's just no good way of doing that until now welcome to karmic outdoors welcome to our community um we're helping the finder get the gear back to the owner so that both parties are happy. Because it, it really sucks when you lose something of value. Maybe it's irreplaceable. Maybe it's, you know, like the Sage 1 rod that they don't make anymore, but it's your favorite rod. Like If you lost it, you can't just replace that thing. Um, plus the, the cost to replace it. So for the cost of our little decal, you can protect your item forever. If you ever misplace it, it's really easy for the finder to get it back to you.
0: There you go. And, and that's, and essentially it's fairly simple. The idea being you've got a decal um, that goes on a product and, and then when somebody out there, if you lose it, somebody finds it, they can just what, like scan a barcode and, or how, maybe we should just go back to, you know, just quickly on the, the step-by-step. So, How does somebody um how does that work and then how would somebody find that? So if I was out there, if I lost my, let's say, and I'm not sure if you're doing how small things you're doing, but let's just take a rod. Let's say you had a barcode on your rod, how would um how would that process work?
1: Yeah. So when you buy one of our decals, um, essentially what it is is a unique ID number or a unique QR code on every single sticker or every single decal. We don't like to call them stickers because they're not, but They're 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 badass. They're like military grade adhesive, super tough, super durable. Um, But essentially, they're stickers. They're items. They're you place them on your items, and each one has a unique ID number. So when you you buy when you create an account with us, you register that item. You say this I'm protecting my fly box. Uh, It's you know it's a Orvis fly box. I've got 250 flies in there. I, I value this thing at 300 bucks or whatever it is. And then all of your decals are stored in our secure database. So your, your phone number or however you choose to be contacted is stored securely in our database. So you don't have your personal information on all of your gear. You don't have your name, your phone number, your addressings on your personal items. It's, it's our decals that have the secure database. So when the finder finds your fly box, your Orvis fly box with all of your dry flies in there that you value, that you love, that you spent hours and days tying, when they find that, it says reward on there, it says found gear, they just scan the QR code or they go to our website and they enter that ID number and they enter, uh, my name is John, I found this, and then they click submit. And automatically both of the finder and the... um, the registered owner's contact information is shared with each other, so it's just a really quick, simple, fast process to to register your gear and a simple, fast process to get your gear back to you. That's it. Okay,
0: so it's and it's very simple. And I just um, I've got a couple of your QR codes here. I just scanned one. I haven't even registered it yet, but it uh, it pulled up. Um, yeah, just pull it up right to your website and log in or, or sign in, I guess. so yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. Once you do that, well, let's talk first, what, what is the cost? So is, are there different levels or how does somebody um, you know, how does somebody get in, in on that?
1: Yeah, so originally we started with this idea of we're just going to sell the decals for super, super cheap and then have an annual fee to keep it going. And so anybody who's listening, if you had a karmic decal previously, but you didn't want to pay the annual fee, register it because we just got rid of the annual fee. We found that people were were reluctant to want to use the service because they don't want to keep paying this annual subscription. So what we did was we we got rid of it, but we just increased the price a little bit. We talked to a couple people and uh well lots and lots and lots of people and they said you know we'd be willing to pay you know eight, nine, ten bucks for one of these decals. Um so that's what our price is our price is 998 for one decal. Which is you know the cost of a couple of good flies or a, a spool a tippet, but you can protect your entire fly box for for ten bucks for your, for lifetime now. Um, oh wow! And then we have uh, we have different packages. So you know nobody wants. Well, I hope nobody just wants one. I hope you want ten or twenty five of them. We have those packages on our website, and they are you know significantly less as you purchase more and more and more of them.
0: Gotcha. Uh, I, th- I like that. I think that, I think we always talk, you know, our, you know the online stuff, the Holy Grail is the membership uh, subscription, right, where people are. But the, the struggle there is that um, one of the struggles is, that, yeah, people don't like to pay for a membership because they're monthly, they're paying monthly or annually. Um, and the other struggle is, well, I guess this is kind of a good thing about the membership is that you always have to serve your community and get better and better because people won't stick around. You got the churn. So you, you know, so you got to deal with that, but you have bypassed that by just saying, you know what, if you have one piece of gear, you know, it's only 10 bucks, which is like, that's a no brainer. I mean, I'm thinking myself when I think of my examples, as I look around at my, you know, uh, room full of stuff and think about outside, um, you know, I've got a couple, and we'll talk about this a little bit, the Sawyer oars, right? I got a couple of brand new uh, square tops with the steelhead on them. And, and they're kind of my, they're like my prized possession. So so definitely those are two things that I would like to, you know, so there's 20 bucks there. There's some other stuff, you know, uh, fly rods. I mean, let, let's go to fly rods. Did, I know before you talked, maybe you didn't have a small enough decal. Is that is that covered yet now?
1: Yeah, we just launched with a, uh, we're calling it the Anywhere tag. Um, so our our regular uh, rectangular style decals are about one inch by you know one and a half inches or maybe two inches long. So that doesn't really fit on everything. So I I launched with a, a skinny decal that's um, <laughs> I, I don't it's maybe what like five. Uh, millimeters, which n- nobody knows what a millimeter is. Anyways, it fits yeah. on a fly rod. <laughs> Let's just yeah, put it, it that way. Totally it fits on a fly rod, but we call it Anywhere Tag because it, it'll go on anything that's like maybe like a GoPro or even your key fobs or uh, ski poles. or. Uh, but this is a fly fishing podcast, so it'll go on your fly rods. Um, and it, it has uh, the unique ID number and everything's the same. It just doesn't have the QR code. Um, our other decals have the QR code and that's sort of just a convenience thing. If you scan the QR code, it automatically takes you to the page, automatically uploads everything. Um, yeah. and it's sort of just a convenience thing for you. Um, what, what's the key is that unique ID number, every single sticker has a unique ID number and that is your unique ID number. It's on your gear. It's registered to you and that's how we keep everything straight in the database.
0: There you go. So, so basically no QR code, <clears throat> but you still get the decal. So somebody finds your rod, which I think I've told this story maybe once or twice before, but I was at a boat ramp um, and, you know, I was packing up the boat and everything and we left and I left two of my main trout rods on the bank, just fully set up, like ready to go. And it was like, I got back home and I'm like, Oh man, you know what I mean? It's just like, that's the worst feeling. And then um, luckily I called the local fly shop and, and somebody had grabbed them and returned them that day and just dropped them off. And I called them, they, hey, by the way, yeah, we got your rod. So, but that obviously, I mean, that's probably the, the smaller percentage. Um, so, so your service works. I mean, this sounds like a no brainer. I mean, obviously there's a cost, but for 20 bucks to, to basically insure, kind of insure a 300 or $1,000 or whatever, right? piece of equipment, it seems like a no brainer. Does it, I mean, what are the, like, what are the people, like, the, I guess there's lots of positives here. I mean, what are the negatives? Why would
1: somebody not want to do this? Okay. So, um, I guess number one is the word insurance. And I think that has a negative connotation. We're not insurance. We are assurance that your gear is identifiable. Um, I, yeah, people, people are calling us insurance and like, we're not, we're not, we're not replacing your product. We're not like a, I mean, we're not state farm over here. Like,
0: and you still have insurance right we we still have insurance so so it's like this is assurance is great because you're basically on the front side like there's the assurance that there's a chance that you get your thing back and and likely now when you get it back, let's say you lost your ore you lost your fly rod, you lost your whatever how much time have you checked on that like on average are people getting a call back on these
1: so yeah, we cannot guarantee that our decals are going to get your items back. We cannot guarantee that they're going to prevent theft. We can't, pre- we can't guarantee any of that stuff. What we do is we can guarantee that your gear is identifiable for the finder to get it back to you. And what we found is that we get our gear back on average of 76% within one day. Wow. So not 100%, but 76%, which is a hell of a lot better than 0%, right? <laughs> um, you know, like I said, people want to get your gear back to you. Let's make it easy for them to get your gear back to you.
0: That's that's great. I mean that's seventy six is sounds crazy. So so basically it's insurance. So you have insurance, but you have this the insurance that within a day, likely, if it if you're gonna get it back, you're probably gonna get your gear, and then if you don't, you know, wait a week or whatever. I mean, how much time should somebody wait? So they have their karma. Let's just take that example the fly rod. I lost my fly rod, um, it's been a day, now it's been a week. How long should we wait until we turn it into
1: insurance? Um yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I So we did a, a trial. Before we launched the business, we wanted to answer that question of like, do people want to return gear and and how long is it going to take? And, um, and that's kind of where we got all of our preliminary numbers and everything. We lost, we lost a bunch of our own personal gear all over Boise and the mountains, fly rods and everything. And um, you know, we that's how we got these numbers. We didn't want to have people test it themselves. Uh, we wanted to make sure it worked. So that's how we got 76% within one day. But we had a guy who found – he found my rain jacket and put it in his garage and then forgot about it and then contacted me six months later when he was cleaning out his garage. Oh, wow. (laughs) So it might take some time. I mean most of the time it's it's pretty quick but sometimes it might take some time. So maybe – you know, don't, don't lose hope is what I'm saying.
0: Hard to say, hard to say. So I guess I would say if you lost it, yeah, I mean, hopefully it comes in, but yeah, I mean, I guess it couldn't hurt you do insurance. I mean, yeah, I guess that's the point. If you do insurance, let's let's say something even higher, let's say it's, um, you know, I don't know what, like your $1,500 rod or something like that you know, after a, whatever, maybe give it a couple weeks or maybe a week, you turn into insurance, you get your insurance claim, you get your money. And then, and then four months later, you get your rod back by, I, I, how does that work? Right. With the insurance. So if you do get your rod back, are
1: you guys, uh, what is the, I guess you, you just, you got a bonus there. Is that right? I guess the I'm thinking of maybe somebody who's like going hunting in Alaska and they, they put this on their, on their gun case or something and they got their right. super expensive gun and then the airline loses it, but then they get it later. Yeah, I don't know. I,
0: right? Right? Yeah. Check with your insurance. So you're not a what, what's the yeah? You're you're not a a, a trained uh, whatever insurance provider. So well, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure we'll we'll check in with them first. So okay, so this makes sense. I mean, it's um, gear wise, it sounds like almost anything that you have on your stuff, with the exception of maybe your flies. I mean, stuff that's expensive, you could put one of your tags on. Now, is that pretty much it?
1: Yeah, yeah, we claim a two x value on the decal, so it's it's worth the the sticker is worth twice as much as the item you're putting it on because we're protecting your original purchase price and we're preventing a repurchase price. So if you have uh, a tornado anchor that's you know 180 bucks, you put our decal on there, you told your wife you're going to be home at six, and you're just getting off the water at six, and you leave the anchor and you drive home, um, and somebody gets you that anchor back, you just saved yourself. What three hundred and sixty bucks from your original purchase price, and then having to buy a new one because you lost it, Um, and so you know we we try to say whatever you value, put it on there. If it's your favorite Yeti mug, put it on there. Um, It it doesn't to me. It doesn't matter what the price is of the item you put it on. It's whatever you love, whatever you value. If it's you know the knife that granddad gave you. Put a sticker on there so you don't lose it. You know, some stuff is irreplaceable.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's, it, it sounds like, again, I mean, I, I think we're, we're rightfully so talking this up, but it sounds like, um, and especially since there's nobody else like that you know of right now doing anything similar to this, is that, is that the case?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't invent this lost and found idea, but I'm, I brought it to the outdoor market because that's what I know. That's who I am. It's what I love you know you go to the ski shops and there's tons of lost and found stuff there there's you go to the fly shops and i guarantee you every fly shop in america has something right now that somebody's turned in that they can't find the owner for so it's a, it's a problem in in my space in what i know and so i wanted to create a solution for my community and i wanted to build a brand and build a business that supports my my communities you know who i am and what i love and um, you know we have lots of big things planned we my wife loves this. Um, she wants to start the uh, uh, nonprofit section of this, so that we can start giving back. We can start sponsoring river cleanups. We can start, you know, sponsoring, um, you know, real recovery and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, like, you know, we we want to grow this business to to help our communities that we love. Um, and the first step is we're trying to help our communities not lose stuff anymore, and then we want to help enrich the communities through our uh, through our, our nonprofit right. section. Yeah.
0: The, um, I'm curious, cause it sounds like such a, a cool product that, you know, I mean, you guys should be making, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars now, right? Sort of thing. But w- what has been, um, you know, what has been the biggest struggle to growing it? You know, what, like, what you know, it sounds like maybe you haven't quit the day job yet, but are you guys, is that kind of the goal to get to a point where this is like hundred percent?
1: Yeah. hundred percent. That's the goal is to, is to grow this. And so the biggest struggle right now is that I think everybody's listening to this is like, oh crap, I have something I like. I have something I want to protect. But the struggle is is twofold for me. Is one, are you gonna go buy it right now? Because I have a solution for you right now that will protect all of your favorite outdoor gear. If you lose it, it will get back to you within one day, 76% of the time. Like that's it's real. And then two is people will get the get the decals, they'll buy it, they'll be excited for it, but then they won't take the time to register and it doesn't take long. You just scan the QR code, create an account, and then you just fill out three or four questions about what that item is. And you just have to do that for all of your gear. So those are my two struggles. One, I have a product, go buy it and protect your gear. Two, actually use it. Actually register it and put it on your gear. Those are the two struggles I have. (laughs) And I can't do that for people.
0: And and what about the and what about the struggles as far as just from a business perspective, it sounds like, you know, you know, getting the word out, right? Like, is that like, what has been the biggest struggle there to actually getting to that point where, you know, you can go all in on this, like, I guess more on the marketing side and stuff like that. How, how are you guys, what is your plan to to get to that point?
1: It's been going really well. Uh, the word has been spreading pretty quickly. Um, because it's a good idea and it solves somebody's problem. I think that the the outdoor community is excited about it. But yeah, trying to reach the masses. And um, so we recently within the past three months or so got rid of that annual subscription so it's sort of like a rebirth of the company at this point where previously for the first year we had this annual fee and, and you know people were using it but now I think that without that annual fee I think our adoptions going to get much much higher much faster uh, we sponsored some websites and stuff and um, you know just just being a guest on podcasts, just getting the word out there that here, here's a solution to your problem welcome to the community
0: welcome that's a okay so it sounds like you know pretty straightforward as far as I mean like where I found you you know from Sawyer um, uh, we worked with them earlier this year and uh, and they're a great company and have great products and I mean I think that's that's pretty much it just uh, word of mouth I mean that's usually the best thing if you can get to that word of mouth piece and the outdoor community definitely talks about there's gonna be a lot of people listening to this episode um, that are probably gonna you know tie into this um, and connect with you. So, okay. Well, we won't dig in too much of that I am curious one thing. And I, and I asked this question mainly because there are people, you know, in the fly fishing space outdoors that have businesses and, you know, they think about partners and stuff like that. And I'm just curious, I know before when we were talking, this is a while ago when we first started, but you had a business partner. I'm curious if you could just try describe a little bit what happened there and how things have changed since, um, was it just one partner you had at the time?
1: Yeah, so it was Aaron and I, we started this business together. Um, you know, I, I I had the idea of this lost and found company and uh, we we kind of worked together on it to begin with. And, you know, getting a business partner is like a roommate in college, right? Like you're like, oh, this person's my best friend. We do everything together. We're such great friends. Um, and then you live together and you're like, well, this person doesn't do the dishes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep.
0: Or, or or this person or this person leaves. I always think of a leaves a dead uh, a dead duck in his vest when he wa- when he washes it in the washing machine. Right? What is that a story for you? Yeah, that's a story from a friend of mine that had that happen. But yeah, I always lo- I love the roommate stories because it's like it, I exactly know what you're talking about. I mean, there's some roommates that are great. There's roommates that aren't great.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, and and I I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. Aaron's a, a great human being. Right. We we're best friends for a number of years. Went duck hunting, elk hunting. Fly fishing all over. You know, we did trips everywhere. Um, I, I just, I just caution people that when you are going to start a business with somebody, it is, it's a marriage. I mean, it is a. You're going to have your your ups and your downs. You're going to have your struggles, um, and you need to have sort of a your prenup or your operating agreement to just sort of outline how you guys are going to work together and how you're going to settle disputes because there will be disputes. I mean, one person thinks green one person thinks yellow and there's going to be an argument as, as to who's correct and you know i find somebody that has complementary strengths to you um and has a a, a good um uh you know workability a, a good mindset where you guys are just going to be able to work together um and you know Aaron and i we didn't establish that framework early on we were just so excited about the business that we just hit the ground running and, and we didn't spend the necessary time to work on our business relationship together and um it, it got to a point where you know one of us kind of needed to go and so um i ended up buying out his interest in the company and and he's still a, a fan of karmic he's still a karmic's biggest fan you know he still got all the decals and um so it's uh you know it just didn't work out as a, as business partners just like a, you know 50 of marriages don't work out you know Right. Our business relationship yeah. didn't work out, so um, you know I I took over the company, and um, you know it's a lot of lot of regrettable decisions and actions were were made. I think on on both parts, and know um, yeah, I would just caution any listener out there that has a has a business or a business partner, immediately get an operating agreement. Like that's just when you're in good terms with somebody, and you're like, hey, we need to we're going to have disputes. How are we going to solve these disputes? And that's like a legally binding contract. So, you know, you guys are, when you're in, (laughs) it's always easier to come up with a good solution when you're both in a good headspace, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think that's a great tip. And I'm glad you shared that because, uh, yeah, I mean, people think about that a lot. It seems like having a business partner, a partner can be a huge help, uh, right? Obviously, you're not doing everything on your own. There's all sorts of benefits. But the biggest tip there is just to make sure before you get into it, just a basic contract and while, while you're level headed, and th- that's uh, that's easy. Well, uh, Robert, I think uh, I feel pretty good about Karmic. We know the value there, and people can get started just going to uh, karmicoutdoors.com. Is there, I'm just thinking again for somebody maybe has a bunch of great gear, most of us have thousands of dollars worth of gear just sitting around if we're preparing, let's just say we're preparing for a river trip, right? You got, you're loading up the boat, you're loading up the truck. You've probably got, I mean, I don't know how much money, right? But you've probably got literally tens of thousands of dollars in equipment. Uh, some of it, we can grab some of your stickers and do that, but some of it you can't, what would you recommend as far as just kind of lost gear to be like some steps to prepare? Do you guys have anything there, any resources or any way to, uh, I mean, yours is a good step having insurance, things like that. What, what else should somebody be doing? Is there anything else we can do? Yeah, absolutely. So, n-
1: number 1 is just just do whatever you can do to try to identify your gear to make sure that somebody who finds it can get it back to you. So, if you're not going to buy my decal, fine, great. In fact, I don't want you to buy my decal if you're not going to register it. Save the 10 bucks, go buy some flies. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to register my product for it to work. Unfortunately, we, there's a story already of somebody who purchased one may or may not have put it on some Sawyer or may or may not have lost them and didn't register. Yeah. So that sucks. Right. Um, save your money if you're not going to register it. Just use a Sharpie. Put your name, put your phone number, whatever. Um, I was. I, I did a multi-day float, and this guy had his name over on all of his gear. And it was hilarious to me because he just put his name. <laughs>
0: Right. Just his name. It was like Harry Smith.
1: Yeah. We got back to Boise and I thought like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Like take his life jacket and go, are, are you John? Are you John? Are you John? <laughs> like yeah. put your phone number on there. Um, yeah. Make sure it's updated regularly. Check your fly boxes. It, it rubs off really quickly on a fly box. So check your fly box. Make sure that that, that, that eight and that six are clearly legible for the finder. Um, uh, I was talking to some, some guys here at a local shop who who carry our, our decals and they're big rock climbers. And what they're saying is like a lot of times rock climbers will have the same gear of the same stuff. Oh, yeah. And so they use uh toenail polish, different colors, toenail polish to ID whose gear is whose. And so one person will be, he'll be sparkly red. Like that's his color. And so everybody knows sparkly red is Dave. And so they give it back to Dave. You know, when you go fishing in, uh, on somebody's boat, chances are there's, uh, Two or three nets, maybe, or you know, yeah. um, uh, if, if you're expecting a really good day, you bring two or three nets, right? Mm, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. But you know, like your your fly boxes get passed around, stuff like that. Um, just just make sure your gear is identifiable and it's unique to you. And then if somebody finds it, they can get it back to you. So, yeah. you know, i i would I would not recommend putting your i would not recommend putting your address. Like, you probably don't want strangers showing up to your home address or um, you know, you move, like, I think I've moved more times than I have changed my phone number. So yeah. do, you know, do, you know, don't, don't put your John Smith at AOL.com. Um, that probably, that probably isn't going to work. Probably going to go to your junk or your spam or something. Right. Yep. So it's pretty simple. So there's not
0: a heck of a lot. I mean, just mark your stuff. And I was thinking about a couple of other, I mean, it's, uh, you know, maybe, and this would help for insurance purposes, but yeah, taking, I don't know, maybe a photo of, of your gear, all of all your gear. That's probably a good thing. Everybody should do just for insurance. Just know inventory, what you have in case you lose. So if you're going on that big trip, right, you got this five day, two week uh, trip down the Colorado. Um, yeah, just know exactly what gear you have that way. If you dump your boat and lose everything, um, you're covered there as well.
1: Yeah. That's another thing. I, so one of my, my uncle's good friends is, is, a insurance adjuster. And I asked him about our service because you register 25 decals with my company. We ask you the name, the the make model, the serial number, anything that is identifiable to that thing, the value of it. And I asked him, I said, so if somebody's house burns down. Can they use my service to prove that they owned these items? You know, because you have to prove everything that if you want to get money for it. Um, and he couldn't say yes or no <laughs> He said, "But he said it's a damn good start."
0: I always go back to the court of law thing, right? If you're if you're in a court of law, a judge, a reasonable judge is sitting there listening. I mean, it, it, you got a record of it. You you, you registered. It. You've you've got. I mean, with that record comes what? Yeah, you paid money for it. You're paying. You paid money for it. With that record, it's got your name. It's got the product. I mean, what else does? What does the details page look like on your end, on the back end?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty simple. We would just have have Dave. Who owns, you know, everything that that you registered? Your your Sawyer square tops, your six fly boxes, your two stage rods, your your nets, your anchors, your your fish pond bag, like all of your yeah. whatever you register. And it's kind of up to you to to register it accurately. So if it's asking for a, uh, a serial number, you know, put that serial number on there. But you know, some stuff doesn't have a serial number. So um, and, and then we have a big description box at the bottom. So if you want to add additional information, like uh, like they're not just square tops, they're the artisan square tops that have the, the, the steel head.
0: That's it. So you can put as much detail. So, so, so again, to me, that seems straightforward. You know, <laughs> you've got the information there. If you go to insurance adjuster, I mean, it's there. It's been documented. There's no question that that would help you uh, get it covered. So, I mean, it's just like taking photos. Like I said, if you take photos of everything, that's, that's equally as, well, maybe not even equally as good, but that helps a ton.
1: Yeah. We, we sort of struggle with the idea of, should we have customers take a picture of the item and upload it? And we decided against that one because it just takes up a lot of space in a database to have, you know, all these extra pictures in there and, and you know, what gear you have and stuff. And so, um, we sort of struggled with that idea. We, we thought about that. Should we have people have the ability to take pictures of their items? And we decided against that. Um, but if, if people want it, we'll bring it back, you know, if, um, we're just listening to our customers and. If that's something you want, we can, we can do that. But, um, but yeah, definitely take pictures of your, of your items to prove that you own it for sure.
0: Well, anything else before we start to wrap it up here, as far as, um, you know, karmic and what people can, can do. I mean, it seems like it's pretty straightforward. Like I said, you can just go to karmic uh, outdoors.com and just purchase if you want one, or if you want say you got the t- two orders, purchase two for 20 bucks. And I mean, sign the information and
1: is that pretty much all? And am I missing anything here? No, I mean it, it's really that straightforward. I mean I it's it's odd to me that I own technically a, a tech company because I'm not a super techie guy, but I uh, just there's there's easy to use technology out there, so I, I brought it to the outdoor market and I wanted the process to be so simple and fast that people weren't frustrated by it. I, I gave it to my dad, which is the real test. I said, Dad, do you know how yeah. to, could you do this? You know, and if he could figure it test. out, I mean, my dad's still hunting pecs with one finger on a computer, and oh yeah, you know, if he could figure it out, I'm pretty sure anybody could figure it out. Um, you know, I, I wanted to make the process super, super simple for the customer to register. And I want to make it super, super simple for the finder to get it back to the owner, and uh, we we worked really hard to to try to accomplish the, those two goals. Um, no extra fluff, no extra frills. Just just bam, bam, you're done.
0: Yep. perfect. Well, that's great to know. Um, well, a couple of things you mentioned the Owyhee, and I always hate to um, you know uh, promote. You know, that's one of the things to do with the show, right? You promote, promote a local water, but I mean, it's, it was I love how you're in Boise, and just shows you how states you know it, it all overlaps because uh, Owyhee, I guess technically is in Oregon. It's on the far eastern edge, but it's really closer to obviously closer to Boise, which is a major area. Um, and I haven't been out there for a little while, but I love that river. Um, is that something, I'm just curious, uh, fishing-wise, because I haven't been there in a while, how, you know, how's the fishing there? And uh, I know there, there was talk about just lots of pressure. How, how is it now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's changing. Everything's changing constantly. Uh, when I moved to Boise 10 years ago, I, I felt very confident that I could go out there any day of the week and catch fish any day of the week, and I would find plenty of water. The thing about the Owyhee is that it's a uh, tailwater below the reservoir, and it's really only 13 miles of fishable water from the dam down to where these series of hot springs kind of flow into it and make the water too warm for trout. So it's, it's really cold for 13 miles and then it heats up too much. And, um, it's a, it's a really unique river in that there are these really big ponds almost in the, in the river. And, um, I think that gives fish refuge from angling pressure, but also in the winter time, and then in the summertime with these with the flows, they can go to these big ponds and and seek refuge, and then it turns into like some big runs and big big bends and riffles and stuff. Um, but there isn't you know a ton of access. I mean, I, the road follows it the whole way, but there's only f- so many pullouts and there's only so many uh, spots. And so n- nowadays, if you go there on a Saturday at nine a.m. Like you're, you're going to have to bring a lunch and like wait for somebody to leave or try to hike away from the, the road as best you can. It's packed.
0: So there's cars in every pullout.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, we sort of started going in the evening. Like we were like, we're not even going to leave the house in the summertime. We don't even leave the house until like five. Yeah. And then we yep. get there and we'll find a hole all to ourselves, And then the, the, right. and then yeah. the dun hatch comes off and we catch a ton of fish and we go home at, at dark. Right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It's
0: interesting because I don't even know how long it's been since I've been there, but I remember, yeah, again, it's that story back in the day, you know, when I was, uh, you know, back when I used to walk uphill both ways to school and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, it was a while ago and I remember for sure, I mean, there was a few car, you know, few mm-hmm. people camping and pretty much it was open. Um, I'm curious on the hot springs cause that's such, that's pretty cool. Are people actually going and like going to the hot springs? Cause you hear things about it being kind
1: of like broken glass and stuff like that. Is that, is that cleaned up? Uh, is absolutely not cleaned up. Um it's it's filthy. Um you could like the hot, there's 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 lots of places where you could go and just chill in the water, but um uh, unfortunately I think that the Awaihi is so far removed from Oregon. Who owns the property?
0: It's not it's not BLM. I mean, why like who's taking charge of all of that?
1: I don't know honestly who owns it. I, I that, 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 we'll we'll get somebody to check that out. I think it is uh, like <laughs> I mean, it's definitely some kind of Oregon agency because like the, the, the porta potties are just over. Right. They're just, they're disgusting. And yeah. like, and it's wow. just, it's just so much use and it's so neglected that it, um, there you go. You know, people are like living out there, you know, like homeless vagabonds oh, oh, yeah, are showing yeah, up yeah, and that. just living out yeah. there. And that's it.
0: And I think the cool thing would be is to talk to somebody who can just check because it seems like it's such a cool place. It seems like, most of the cool places around the country. And you could look at the Colorado, probably places in Idaho that are uh, not that we're going to restrict, you know, this, but there's restrictions because it gets too crazy. And, you know, like it sounds like that's the place that it's such an amazing place. Something like that's got to be done because it just sounds like nobody's taking care of it. And people are trashing on it, which I remember back when I was there again, back in the day, there wasn't hardly anybody there. So you didn't notice it and being remote. In fact, there were no campgrounds was great. Um, but uh, but you also have that whole thing up above, right, where people are taking their boats up to the reservoir. So you probably get a a little bit of
1: yeah. And that's what's um, kind of sad that. is the like the reservoir facilities are fine, and that's oh they're fine. You know because that's where all like the boating oh, wow. money goes, and that's where all the sheriffs go, and like that's where the, yeah. that's where people are, right? Our brand is called Karmic Outdoors. It's definitely a play on karma, and I think every fly fisherman in the world believes in river karma. Just believe it cleaner than you found it pick up one or two extra pieces of trash, fill up your net. You know, there's a lot of, there's always these, these things going on. Just do that. And if everybody did that, the whole outdoor world would just be immaculate. The problem is people don't. no.
0: no and that's where, that's the one place where the, I think the government uh, can do good, right? Is that sometimes that's the stuff that they, you know, they can help out with, right? If, if, if there's people that are trying, it's the tragedy of the commons is, is the idea here is that you, it's open and people take advantage of. It. And then one somebody sees somebody trash, is like, well, he trashed it. Why can't I trash it? Or, or whatever, or kill more fish or yeah, you name it. Right. Yeah, Tragedy of the commons. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Oh, we'll sum it up. Maybe that'll be the title of this. Uh, no, <laughs> we don't want that to be the title, but, but, but let's wrap this up, uh, Robert. Here, uh, I just had a couple of random ones as we're getting out here. Obviously, it sounds like you've got a ton of fishing experience, and maybe we could, uh, you know, save that for another episode to dig in more to that. But. I'm interested. in The camper van. Going back to that. So, if somebody wanted to follow in your lead and take a year off, uh, you know, quit their jobs, travel around the country, um, do that sort of thing, is there a resource? Where would you direct somebody to learn more about? You know, like where do they find vans the, to do it? All, all that
1: stuff. Dude, there are so many blogs and resources out there. Everybody who, everybody who's done it has created a blog, right? Because they're hoping. Oh, to, really? Yeah. You know, they're they're hoping like follow my journey, follow my build. There so there's tons of that stuff. <laughs> The one resource that we used that we loved was called Boondockers Welcome. It's dot It's uh, so boondocking is is when you're just driving and you just decide to sleep for the night and you just like find a spot. Um, you're not oh, an established yeah. campground. You're just kind of wherever. And so Boondockers Welcome is a community of sort of like minded individuals where they have a house or something and they have like a side yard where you can just park for a night. It's it's, it's a safe place and. we met a guy in Alaska, super cool. He let us stay there for a couple of nights and then he took us around. uh, And then he took us out on his boat. It's just like, you know, it's just like really cool, like-minded people who are like, Hey, I like to travel too, but I have a house. So here's a place you can stay for the night. Um, And they're all over the country. They're 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 everywhere. So um, that was a really cool resource for us to use. And your public lands are yours. You own them. So, you should never be afraid to pull over on the side of a road or um you know near a bridge or on a river or a lake as long as it's loud and and sleep there you know places like Idaho are like 75% public land you can just drive in the forest and go go sleep so, you can do that even if there are, let's say, uh, a designated Forest
0: Service campgrounds uh, mm-hmm. nearby. I mean, if there aren't signs saying you can't camp, you can camp anywhere on public land. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, try to you know, try to, to be a good steward of the land and, and camp where somebody else has already camped. You know, don't drive out in the middle of nowhere and make another fire pit somewhere, you know, and pick up, pick up one extra piece of trash. But yeah, you can go in are your lands, go use them go sleep there. And and we did that in Alaska. We found a really sweet lake and we slept there for the maximum limit, which was uh, 14 days. And then we moved to another one and slept there for 14 days and made good friends with the ranger. And she was like, you know, if you watch this area, we'll let you stay a little bit longer. So we did that.
0: There you go. Yeah. No, that's a great tip. And I think that tip you mentioned again about your vehicle is a, is a good one is that, yeah, if you got a massive, you see some of these, uh, these campers out there driving on the road and it's just unbelievable, right? These things are, I mean, they're, they're bigger than semi trucks, yeah. right? They're pulling, they're yeah. pulling these fifth wheels around. You're like, holy crap. Yeah. You know, I mean, that does not look like any fun. We have a little, like a 20 foot pole behind camper. And, and I mean, we don't use it very much, right? It, yeah. it's, it's used, but it's just because it's just so much easier to throw stuff in the back of the truck and, and you can just go and like oh, yeah. you said, yeah, drive down, down a road and camp wherever.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, I guess another tip is just be realistic with what you want to do and what you want to experience. If you're a person that's that's on the move all the time, then you're probably not going to want to pull behind camper. You know, splurge a little bit for that van, and or you know, buy a truck and put a big camper shell on it and, and convert that. Because, like, if, if you're going to go rock climbing in Utah and you're going to go mountain biking and you're going to go, like, it might be difficult for you to find that perfect campsite with your pull behind camper. You know, a lot of these places are, are pretty small. And, um, you know, you, are not gonna be able to fit your 25 foot camper everywhere, you
0: know? No, no, most places. Yeah. Um, one, I got a new little segment here. This is one, uh, this is like the last three and I, we've been asking some music questions like your favorite music, but I'm curious cause I was just watching a YouTube video. Um, this, uh, Harry Mack, uh, Pat Flynn, I saw him talking about this guy. He's a, I'm not sure if you heard of Harry Mack, but he's a freestyle rapper on YouTube and he pretty much, you give him a few words. Uh, and he'll just make up a freestyle rap and it's pretty Im- unbelievable. I was listening to some of it, but so if you think YouTube podcast um, kind of music or kind of, you know, reading blog posts, things like that, can you give us a, like your last three things you watched, listened to, or, or read in, in something in the outdoor space, or it could be just in general, is that, or if you want to dig into e- any one of those, does anything
1: come to mind for you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to try to, boost your ego at all but i love both of your podcasts i listen to oh both. there you i go. listen to them all the time you're amazing uh, your your outdoor uh, marketing yeah. one i've listened to every one of them i, I think they're oh great yeah, that's cool, cool. Um, you know because i i'm i'm an outdoorsman but i'm building a business and so i listen to all the business podcasts as much as i can but this one's nice because it's specific to kind of yeah. our industry and, and who we are and so I, I like listening to that so if if listeners out there haven't heard the other uh podcasts. Yep. Yep. you guys definitely should listen to them if you have any interest in business at all like they're they're really good dave does a really good job and he brings a lot of really knowledgeable um people out there to to help you give you really good tips and stuff so
0: Oh yeah, no, it's a fun, the struggle on that one is that I think we will get there where it's getting more consistent, but just with everything I've been doing the last, um, part of this year, growing the wet fly swing, we're trying to kind of get to another level here. It's taken a little bit of a backseat, but I, yeah, I'm not leaving that one. I'm going to swing around and and get kind of double down once I can get a couple of people. I'm working on some uh, help, some assistance and things like that. So, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's super cool to hear.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I don't know what I did with my life before podcasts, but nice. I love podcasts.
0: Give me your top. Let's just dig into podcasts, Robert. Give me your, give me your top. Like the, this is, this goes, comes from Dave Jackson, who was one of my guests on the outdoors online uh, podcast where he's a podcaster and he has this little segment on his where he says, what are the five podcasts you listen to? Not, not your five favorite, but the last five you listen to. Can you, can you give us those last five?
1: Uh, yeah, I can. And um, I guess what I love about the fly fishing community is is I don't I don't see any other fly fishermen or any other resources being a competing resource. When I'm floating down when I'm floating on the fly uh, um, in the drift boat or whatever, and somebody's like, "What are you catching them on?" I tell them what I'm catching them on because I, I view this as a, as a community where we can help each other. And so I'm going to pitch these podcasts that I listen to that are the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, which is yours, your Outdoor Business Marketing, which is yours, uh, the Fly ninety seven Podcast. Which is another fly fishing podcast, um, the Wait Out There podcast. Um, I'm oh, yeah. a huge fan of that one, and then the um, a hunting one that I'm a huge fan of is the Rich Outdoors. So, like, I'm, I don't want to, oh, cool. I don't want to push people away from your podcast because your both of your podcasts oh, are no. great. But there's lots of fly fishing podcasts, and if you're not, if you haven't heard the Orvis fly fishing podcast, like, oh. what are you doing with your life? You have got to listen <laughs> to the Orvis fly fishing podcast. It's yeah. it's, the, it's the holy grail. I mean, it's our <laughs> it's our that's huge. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. he He's the leader.
0: I, I, we just had, um, Phil Monahan is, it was just on, uh, you know, the Orvis blog. He's the guy that's been running the Orvis blog, a daily fly fishing blog, right. Mm-hmm. For, for like, they have 10,623 blog posts. Um, and if you look at their traffic online, you know, they've got half a million or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're, they're bigger than everybody else, but that's because there's so much content. And I totally agree. In fact, before I started this podcast, I listened to, to, um, Tom's podcast and it's a killer resource. So no, that's awesome. I mean, I, I made the list with, uh, and I know the fly fishing 97, we've done some stuff together. He's a super cool guy. Um, I don't know the other, well, I've heard about the weight out there and part of my goal is to raise up all fly fishing podcasts Mm -hmm. as well. So I'm trying to slowly get other, those podcasters on. To to promote, you know what I mean? Yeah, get going. Um,
1: And Rich Outdoors, there you go. So a new one that I'm going to add today to my list. Oh yeah, check out the Rich Outdoors. He's uh, he's much. It's a hunting podcast. Really, it's um he's big into archery, elk, and and they're big into like uh, you know rifle deer and stuff like that. But 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 he also does a lot of um, he also does a lot of outdoor entrepreneurial stuff which I, I really enjoy those ones. He he has a lot of uh, big brands on there and they talk about the struggles of building a business and stuff. And uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. Even if you're not into hunting, if you're into outdoor uh, entrepreneurialism at all, it's a great one. That's amazing.
0: All right, Robert. Well, this is another one of those podcasts where it's, uh, you know, you feel
1: like, I, I wish we could
0: sit here and talk for another couple of hours. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm going to respect your time and and let you get out here and, and we'll keep in touch with you. The best place... Um, I guess karmicoutdoors.com is the best place to get hooked up with you. Um, and yeah, just give us a heads up. The next, uh, next year or whatever you want to give us a timeline, You know, six months, year or two out, what, what can we expect? It sounds like this big change you have now with the one-time fee is huge. What else, as we look out, what, what else are you getting excited about?
1: Yeah, so probably what I'm most excited about is the ability for Karmic Outdoors to partner with outdoor brands. So Karmic has partnered with Sawyer Paddles and Oars. So when you purchase a pair of Sawyer paddles and oars, you can upgrade to having the Karmic decal on their product. And and they don't just put a decal on it, they put it under the varnish, under the fiberglass, so it will never oh, wow. come off. Uh yeah. So our what I'm most excited about is our ability to partner with these brands. Like we we are partnering with a couple of brands that I, I can't I can't say the names yet, I can't do that. Um, sure. But you know, when you buy their product, it's going to come with Karmic Outdoors Lost and Found built into it already. Because like I said, Dave, one of my struggles is everybody's listening. I have a solution to your problem. Go buy it. You're not probably, probably going to go buy it right now. But if, if there's you know, three or four different products lined up on a shelf and one of them has my service on it, you're more likely to buy that product. Um, and that's really going to yeah. help, I think, with my customer adoption is providing value to the brand – but also providing value to the customer through this this lost and found partnership that we have in there. Um, so I'm really excited for that. Idea. We got a couple of things coming with that. Um, I'm launching soon with a with a dog tag. Um, our our decals have a super tough adhesive and they'll work on a lot of things, but they don't work on everything. And so this dog tag uh, is going to be able to go on your your boat bag or your your luggage or your mm. your life vests or whatever it is um, your, cool. even your dog um, <laughs> you know we're we're putting we're putting those out there because you know people are asking for it people are saying hey this is great but I want something for my you know my fish pond boat bag or whatever so mm-hmm. so we're putting that on there um, yeah Amazing. I mean, so we got a couple of things coming up
0: and it sounds like you're uh, sounds like you're going to change the world here for the better I mean this is this is some good stuff I mean we're you know, again, it just goes back to, I think of myself and, uh, you know, going back to the oars or the fly rod. Let's just take it to the, really quickly. Um, so the decal, this is kind of minimal thing, but where would you put that decal if you're
1: putting it on your, oar? does it, does that matter where you put it and also on your fly rod? Yeah. So I always recommend you put it someplace visible. Uh, if you put it on your fly rod, don't put it underneath the reel where people aren't gonna be able to see it. Oh, right. Don't don't put on the reel seat. I put mine right next to, or right right above the cork where your thumb would be. So you, you got, you got to see it, you know, you got to see, make it it visible. If you've got, uh, your super awesome hydro flask that has 50 Mm -hmm. stickers on it, put that decal, put my decal where somebody's going to see it, put it on the, on the top where you drink from or something. Don't put on the bottom where, where you're going to miss it or your cooler. Like maybe put it on the top of the cooler lid where nobody puts a sticker. Um, Mm -hmm. So you know that those are my my these are perfect. super super tough man. Like if you want to put oh, it I know. if you want to put on your ore blade and bang it up with rocks, it's it's totally fine. Go for it. And God, if it if it ever becomes unusable, I'll replace it for free. Just email me. I'll send you a new one. Like oh, that's perfect. The, perfect. that's uh, that's my guarantee. Like I want you to have something to protect your gear, and I want to solve this problem. That's my passion. that's why I started this business. And if your decal doesn't work, I will send you a new one.
0: Uh, perfect. Well, I'm going to put mine on my ore blade, but I'm going to put it at the top. It's funny because my, my or blades are so fricking new that, uh um, like my kids scratched, she was hauling around, she scratched one of the things and uh, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't give her a hard time too much, but it's like, oh man, these things you don't want to, but the, part, the thing is they're going to get beat up. It's a piece of gear. It's just like your fly rod, you know, stuff's going to get dinged and stuff. So, um, but no, that's cool, Robert. I, I will let you get out of here and, um, thanks again for pro, uh, providing this solution and I'm really glad that I connected with uh, Sawyer and they connected us. And yeah, man, hope to looking forward to keep in touch with you as we move forward. And and thanks for everything you do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And if, if you're still listening, uh, I'd like to uh, offer a coupon code for everybody out there. So uh, this is the Wet Fly Swing podcast. So we'll call the code uh, WFS, Wet Fly Swing 25 for 25% off. And yeah. Um, yeah, just, just you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, Thank you for having me on, Dave, and um, yeah, you know, I, I hope people go out there and, and use this product.
0: Perfect, perfect. Yeah, I'll add that code into the show notes and everything else, like we talked today, and I'll um, I'll make sure it's the, right at the start here, um, right at the start of the episode, and so people can check it out. Okay, Robert,
1: we'll talk to you soon. All right, Dave, thank you so much.
0: So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes and links that we talked about today, head over to webflyswing.com/slash two six four two hundred and sixty four. If you're new to the podcast, please take a moment and click that subscribe button on your app of choice and, uh, and you'll get the next episode delivered right to your inbox. I want to thank you for sticking around today. I appreciate your support. Appreciate all the listens this week. And, uh, and I'm not sure maybe you're digging into the back catalog right now. If you are, if you're new to the show, uh, again, uh, good to have you here and, uh, check in with me anytime, dave at wetflyswing.com. Email me and I'll, I'll see what I can do about putting together a good episode for you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.